This is Sports Talk with Phil Cordblue, Chris Bergen, and Pat Daniel. Sports Talk is heard across the state on radio affiliates of the Sports Talk Media Network and is streaming live on SportsTalkSE.com, as well as Twitter, Facebook, and YouTube. The South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number to call in is 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now, here are Phil, Chris, and Pat with tonight's edition of Sports Talk. Hey, good evening, everybody. Welcome in. Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We've made it to another Friday. Things are getting a little bit chilly out there. But you know what? It's NFL playoff time. It should be chilly. Can't wait to watch Kansas City. And those guys play in that weather out there this weekend. It's supposed to be like minus 30 with the wind chill in Kansas City. I love that kind of football. Buffalo. Going to be nasty weather up there as well. Looking forward to that. Looking forward to the weekend of college basketball. South Carolina headed out to Missouri where it's going to be cold. And Clemson back at home against Boston College. Tigers trying to break their losing streak. South Carolina trying to get back on the winning side. So interesting opportunities for both teams because these are two winnable games. Even though the Gamecocks are on the road, Missouri off to an 0-2 start in the SEC Chance for the Gamecocks to get a road win. Clemson, Boston College. Again, this is a winnable game for the Tigers at home against a Boston College team that has not been overwhelming to this part of the season, uh, coming in with a record of 10-5 and overall and 1-3 in the ACC. So we got a busy weekend ahead, and today was an incredibly busy day. Nationally, right here in the state of South Carolina, catch you up if you're just getting in your car, um, not aware of everything that's been going on. Uh, South Carolina, with their football coaching staff, officially announced the hiring of James Coley as receivers coach. They also handed out an extension and a raise for defensive ends coach Sterling Lucas. All the details on their contracts are on our website, sportstalksc.com, but we'll touch on them in just a little bit. And then reportedly by Matt Zenitz of 247 Sports, Shane Beamer's going to hire Marquel Blackwell, formerly of Texas A&M, formerly of Ole Miss, as his new running backs coach. That was not enacted on today by the Board of Trustees. My understanding is the two met on Wednesday that Coley was the one who really recommended Blackwell, having worked with him at Texas A&M. And Blackwell has a, a nice history from working with Judkins at Ole Miss as a freshman when he emerged on the scene as a major talent in uh, the running among running backs in the country. So we'll talk more about him, but that appears to be the direction that um, Shane Beamer is moving for his uh, running backs job. Then, of course, uh, nationally, the big story, Alabama hires the head coach from the University of Washington, Kalen DeBoer. As uh, I'm not saying he wasn't their first choice. He'll always be their first, first choice publicly, I'm not saying that he never was their first choice or his their 10th choice or whatever, but you saw other coaches uh, getting new deals as Jimmy Sexton was working his magic inside the offices there at Alabama, obviously playing a, one candidate against another um, and helping his other candidates get uh, more money, or his, his other clients get more money. Um, 
they announced a, a new contract and extension down at Florida State for uh, Norvell. And so he's going to be up around, I think, around the $10 million range. So that was one uh, that came off the list. Um, you know, Dabo Sweeney, um, I said very first of the week when this all happened that uh, it would not be Dabo Sweeney. Uh, I didn't know anything. I just was going with my common sense and, and my gut. And obviously that turned out to be the case. Larry Williams reported on Tiger Illustrated that Thursday Alabama did call and make contact with Dabo Sweeney, but that's about as far as it went, just sort of gauging the interest, and uh, there was none. I'm told by a, a pretty good source, reliable source, that now would not be the time for Dabo Sweeney to entertain Alabama. Now, three or four years down the road, when he's still a relatively young man, 57, 58, 59, somewhere in there, should things not work out with DeBoer at Alabama, let's just say things go south, and they come looking again, and Sweeney is still doing well at Clemson and is still creating winning teams and perhaps adds another national championship in there. Who knows what will happen over the next three or four years. But the next time around, because he wouldn't be the guy following the guy, that might be a time he would look at it a little more closely. But not right now. Not right now. I think Dabo Sweeney wants to get Clemson back to where it was and prove that he can get Clemson back to where it was. And to follow Saban, for a guy like Sweeney, who's won national championships, who's been at a high level for an extended period of time, to follow Saban just would not make sense for him. For a younger guy like DeBoer, who's had a – very short run at Washington, though successful, and and got to the championship game this year, I could see where he would want to take that big step. This guy, I tell you what, I don't know much about him other than what we saw this year in the playoffs, but this guy's been a winner. He's been a winner in his career big, big time. He brings a sterling record, and he obviously was an offensive coordinator at Indiana, and that's where he worked with uh, Michael Penix uh, Jr., uh, helped develop him into a, an excellent quarterback. So, at least on paper, it looks like, uh, uh, again, um, as Chris Bergen joins us from the Berge Palace and Pat Daniel at our studios in Columbia, they're kind of going outside their footprint here by hiring a guy from the state of Washington with not a lot of, um, not a lot of uh, history uh, in the SEC, recruiting and coaching and all that. So, but a guy with an excellent track record, uh, Chris. And as other coaches started to take their names out of the consideration for the Alabama job, if indeed they were under consideration, the the pointer just started to uh, head towards um, Seattle and get more firm towards DeBoer, and they got the deal done this afternoon. Watching this coaching search reminded me, I flashed back to last December, Phil. You and I were both at the press conference when Coastal introduced Tim Beck as its new head coach, and we talked with Joe Moglia afterwards, and he said he had always had in his mind this was the guy. Whenever Jamie Chadwell left, and they knew at some point in time Chadwell would leave for another job, it turned out to be last year going to Liberty, but Tim Beck was the guy that Joe Moglia wanted. He said he didn't need a search firm. He didn't need, a, you know, 10 guys on the list. This was the guy he'd been following throughout his career. I would be fascinated to find out, and you'll never know because you're right. He's always going to be referenced publicly as their first choice. But I would be fascinated if even, you know, this time last year, anybody at Alabama had Kalen DeBoer 
on their short list of wish candidates when, if and when Nick Saban decided to retire. Mm-hmm. I think uh, clearly Kalen DeBoer got this job at Alabama because of what he did this year. But had you told the average Alabama fan, the guy who's spending, you know, season ticket holder, sits at midfield at Bryant Denny Stadium, wears you know the, uh, <laughs> the all the all the gear all the time, had you asked him, had you told him, all right, next January after this football season is over, Nick Saban is going to be gone, they would be disappointed, but they probably would have figured that. And also before the season, you had said your new head coach is going to be Kalen DeBoer. Mm. How many people do you think would have known who the heck he is? So props to Kalen DeBoer for turning in one terrific season at Washington. Now, he has had a tremendous career. There's no question. He's won everywhere he has been. But I wish him well because he is getting into a different animal altogether. Uh, this is not Washington. This is not Pac-12 football. He is going to the hottest of hotbeds in terms of hot seats. He's got to continue winning, and fortunately for him, his resume has proven that that's all he does at the Division three level, at the FBS level, at the major FBS level, and now he'll have to do it at Alabama. But I, I just found the two different coaching searches fascinating because I can't believe that Alabama had him anywhere on their radar going into this season when Nick Saban ultimately, whenever he retired. Yeah, I would agree. That's a good assessment. So who gives him his first loss? In 2024, if he sustains one at Alabama, will it be Georgia? Uh, will it be South Carolina a few weeks after that? And, you know, the Gamecocks go to Tuscaloosa in 2024. Great opportunity there. Will they run the table? Will they be back in the in the playoffs, which will be a little bit easier to reach with the field expanded to mm-hmm, 12? Sure. Um, you know, again, he's inheriting a team that, assuming that, Everybody doesn't bolt uh, to the to the portal, John. You know he's got his quarterback. Now, this quarterback is not the thrower that he had at Washington uh, this past season, though he did come on after about the midway point of the season. I think Milrow uh, sort of found his groove as a passer, but he obviously has got to improve greatly in that area. We know he can run. You know, we know Milrow can take off and run. Can he become? the kind of pastor that they might want him to be in the kind of offense they're going to run at Alabama with this new coach. Well, they added how many of the guys that were playing for him at Washington elect to transfer and go with him to Alabama. How many can he bring? How many guys that are, were starting at Washington do you think can get on the field at Alabama? I would think there are several because uh-huh. this, is, this was a playoff team and uh, you know made it to the finals. Now, they didn't give Michigan anywhere close to the game that Alabama did, but nonetheless, I mean, this is a team that made the college football playoff. They're clearly talented, and uh, they had a couple of their guys today announce they were going to the NFL draft, but how many of the other guys who are presently on that team think, you know what, I, I signed with Coach DeBoer. I want to go wherever he goes and look into possibly joining him at Alabama. All right, as far as South Carolina is concerned, the Board of Trustees this afternoon approved a contract for the newly hired receivers coach James Coley. They also approved a one-year extension for defensive ends coach Sterling Lucas and a raise for him. Coley joining the Gamecocks from Texas A&M. He gets a two-year deal. That will pay him six fifty this season and a jump to eight fifty in 2025. So as things stand now, starting off at 650, he'll be the fourth highest paid assistant coach on the staff. White makes 1.2, Loggins makes a mill, Limbo 725 and Coley be making 650, but then he stands to get a $200,000 raise. Pretty good bit of uh, negotiations there to 
have a $200,000 raise already uh, written into your contract for the second year there. Lucas gets a one-year extension taking his contract through the end of 25. He made 475 last season. His pay was boosted to 575 starting this year. The board did not act on a new contract. I'm sorry, did not act on a contract for new running backs coach Markwell Blackwell, who is also coming from Texas A&M. His hiring was just reported today, as we mentioned, by Matt Zenitz. So uh, it's not official yet, of course, but obviously um, if Zenitz reports it, it's pretty much going to happen. Um, from what we're told, he was recommended to Shane Beamer by Coley. You know, Beamer apparently was closing in on Liberty running backs coach Newland Isaac until he interviewed Blackwell earlier this week. So this raises the question right now, what happens with Justin Stepp? Does he indeed become the tight ends coach? Does he make that transition from receiver to uh, tight ends coach? Is he happy about that move? Does he stay at South Carolina? Um, I had somebody propose to me the idea that he could go to Murray State with Jody Wright, uh, hmm. p- uh, possibly as a coordinator type of situation there. So would he view that as a good move? Would he view that as a step up? Does he take it as a uh, a demotion that he's being moved from receiver to tight ends? I mean, I can't answer that question. I'm just thinking out loud how you feel about that after um, being a receivers coach. I think he's been a receivers coach pretty much his entire career that he's been in college. Does it offer you the opportunity, though, to cross-train? You know, they, the offensive line, they talk often about they train guys at center, guard, and tackle so they can fill in and play different positions. Do, would that actually help Coach Step to actually coach a different position? So if he's looking on down the road at a coordinator's role, or certainly they all want to be head coaches at some point in time, would he like to have that? Maybe he went to Shane Beamer and said, look, I've, I've worked with wide receivers for a while. Now that Jody Wright is moving on, I'd like to take over that position, be the tight ends coach, just so I can learn that position and, and teach as well. So maybe Maybe it's something he approached, uh, or you could be right in terms of specula- uh, speculation on him going with Jody Wright to Murray State. Yeah. Well, we'll know. see. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. But that's the, the latest there on uh, South Carolina. So Ole Miss still has their coach. Let's go through the list. Ole Miss still has their coach. Um, Florida State still has their coach. Mm-hmm. Clemson still has their coach. Um, who was the first – who was the – who was Dan number Lanning one? At Oregon. Oh, Oregon still has their coach. <laughs> yeah, so making more uh, the, money, I believe, too. The the early, I think they all. Well, Sweeney never got to the point, right, right, where he was, you know, trying to ATM Clemson. I think he's pretty happy with what he's got right now, and they're happy with him. And it never really got to that point this time around. But it just shows you that um, this was all done within a matter of uh, what three or four days. What what day was it that? Saban retired. This is Friday. Was it Tuesday afternoon? Tuesday or Wednesday? Tuesday or Wednesday. I'm trying to remember now. You would yeah. think it hadn't been that long, but they said within 72 hours, and mm-hmm. I think they nailed it. They moved quickly, and they got yeah, a high-profile guy, and they got mm-hmm. a guy who's red hot. Uh, now, you know, obviously a key, too, is going to be what kind of um, assistant coaching staff does he put together? You know, does he – how many guys with, with ties to the Southeast, with experience in the SEC, with Alabama ties, they kind of understand the Alabama way of things. How many of those guys does he bring on to the staff? Wow, that's a great question. 
Uh, you would think he'd try to at least certainly keep some of the guys who have Southern ties because that's not something that, that Kalen DeBoer has in his arsenal. So you would think he'd like to have some, especially recruiting-wise. I mean, I get it. Alabama can recruit nationally, and they don't necessarily have to stay in their Southern footprint. But I think it would be helpful to have some guys who know that area and certainly know that state because there's outstanding football, high school football played in the state of Alabama if we actually recruit high schools anymore. Yeah, really. <laughs> <laughs> kind of gotten even away from that. Anymore. Yeah. All right, our phone number, 888-898-2525. That is the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you. I'm in the ATL tonight oh, heading to uh, Clemson tomorrow. Yeah, doing the roundabout trip to the ATL family stuff and then heading to Clemson tomorrow. And uh, South Carolina will be off to Missouri tomorrow afternoon. Uh, you've got a game uh, tomorrow as well. Coastal mm-hmm. got got uh, taken to the woodshed last night by Appalachian. Appalachian State is very good defensively, and we saw why up close and personal last night. They make everything really difficult on the defensive end. Just ask Auburn. Uh, they held Auburn under 70 points and beat them in Boone back in December. They're, they're really good at what they do. Dustin Kearns is one of the new up-and-coming coaches that I think will have a major college basketball job in the next couple of years because he was good at PC, was, has been very good at, all, uh, at Appalachian State, and I think he'll be a good head coach moving forward. But, yeah, Coastal just could not score. They, they went through a, <clears throat> the final seven minutes of the first half. They had one field goal. And it went from a 13-13 ball game to over by halftime. I mean, App was up in 19, I think, at the break. And Coastal got it back to within about 15, but never really seriously challenged after that. So they'll take on uh, Old Dominion tomorrow. And both teams looking to get off to snide. ODU is 0-4 in Sunbelt Conference play. Coastal at 1-3. And ODU in a similar position. They've got an interim coach a little differently than, than what Coastal's dealing with, with Coach Ellis retiring. Uh, Jeff Jones, who I know you know very well, Phil, suffered a heart attack when his team was out at Hawaii playing for the uh, Diamond Head Classic right before that tournament began. He suffered a heart attack and has mm. not returned to the bench, evidently at home recuperating and doing well, but he is not their head coach right now. So they've got their interim, one of their assistants, taking over for them. And I think it has plagued them. They've lost 9 of 10. So I think they're, they're spiraling without their head coach. Yeah, I would find that to be something that would um, affect my uh, focus and mm-hmm. affect my yeah. uh, feelings about uh, things if my coach went down like that. But you gotta, you got to keep on playing. You play for the coach, and you hope he gets better, and you hope that when he comes back, you got a good team, and you can uh, give him a chance to uh, lead you to some good things. But it sounds like they're having their struggles as well. Mm-hmm. So last night, South Carolina women uh, went to Missouri. Here we got a situation. It's funny how this SEC scheduling works out. Last weekend, you had uh, South Carolina men play Mississippi State on a Saturday. Then the women played Mississippi State on a Sunday. And now you got South Carolina women playing Missouri on a Thursday, USC men going to Missouri on a Saturday. <laughs> you would think they, they maybe would combine it, put them on one Make plane, save some money. Yeah. But I guess yeah, you can thank you can thank TV for that. Yeah, 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 absolutely, <laughs> That's absolutely. Exactly the reason why. But the USC women continue to uh, do their thing. Um, had a little bit of an early battle with the Tigers out there, but then um, hit a hit the high gear and uh, and ran away with it, and so got a convincing win. That's. Not been an easy place for them over the years, so that's a nice convincing win for them out at Missouri. That game is a uh, sort of emblematic of the new look that Dawn Staley has run out there. They were 8 of 15 from three-point range. 
to end up Al Pal was three of four, and Bree Hall was four of four from three-point range. And, Phil, that is the difference, I think, between this year's team and last year's team. That last year's squad that made it to the Final Four and we all thought was going to win another national championship if there was a glaring weakness on that team uh-huh. is they couldn't shoot it outside, 20, uh, outside of 15 feet. I mean, and, and Dawn Staley realized that, and to her credit, not only went into the transfer portal to get Pow Pow, but also went to her current players and said, look, we've got to shoot it better. And between Bree Hall and Raven Johnson, I mean, they're starting to be able to shoot it from the outside. And I don't know how you defend them now because you could play off of every single guard last year and just pack it inside and make sure Aaliyah Boston didn't catch it. I don't know what you do with them now because they can get you in transition, they can shoot the three, and they're still pretty good along the post. I mean, they, they are a much more, in my mind, a much more complete team than they were even last year. All right, phone number 888 The board is filled up, so let's uh, clear some calls. We begin tonight on this Friday in Columbia, his family and friends call him Triple T. We call him the angry black man for obvious reasons. You're going to find out in just a second. Uh, ABM? ABM? Well, T, trash talking tiger. Well, well Triple welcome T. in. Welcome in. Yeah, go ahead, ABM. Triple hey, T. Hey, hey, what I get ready to see, a lot of Alabama fans not going to like uh, okay, before Nick, first of all, Alabama is not a good uh, coaching job. It's not a good job. Between um, uh, Ray Perkins and uh, Mike Shuler, there was eight coaches, a revolving dope. You know what I'm saying? The only person running the national championship there, other than Bear Bryant, was, you know, Gene Stallings. Everybody else. Alabama was a revolving dope. Matter of fact, South Carolina beat him with Francione. Nick Saban came in, so I'm saying this, and put Alabama back on the map, put Alabama really on the map. One time, Bear Bryant lost nine bowl games in a row, I'm saying this. So, you know, talking mm-hmm. about Alabama, uh, Nick Saban won six national championships. Bear Bryant uh, got named for six championships. So Nick Saban earned six, I'm saying this. So Alabama going to get back to being mediocre again, I'm saying that. Those players went to – Alabama because of Nick Saban. Nick, like, the, like, the, like when Clem, Carolina beat Clemson five years in a row, Alabama fans, the run is done. It's done. It's done. And all y'all experts trying to predict who was going to be the coach. Y'all experts need to shut the hell up, man. Let the process take care. Dabo, Lanning, you name it, everybody. Alabama knew who they wanted to get, but you also – uh, busy trying to be the first one to say who could be the next coach. You think That's this was the a problem. guy they wanted from the get? You think this was their number one target from the outset? Like, no, you you have plan A and plan B. Okay, mm-hmm. I'm saying, that, but 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 we don't know who was the uh, who was number who was A. I'm saying this, but all y'all experts always sit there trying to. Dabo was never on Alabama radar. Alabama did not want Dabo. Well, if but you I, listen I, I, to I, us, if you listen to us, you'd have known that from the jump, hey, from man, the I, opening I, I comments. Hoping, yeah, I, I was hoping it because I wanted to get the head, get get the hell out of Clemson so we can win another national championship. But like I said, hey, y'all, Alabama fans, the run is done. I'm saying you're just another team now. Take care. Oh, there ain't gonna be no more roll tide. Triple T, trash talking tiger. <laughs> okay, thank you. Thank you, Oliver. Always good hearing from you. 
<laughs> what do you think? What do you you think he's got any any semblance of sense in those comments that the the run is over for Alabama because of the coaching change? I, I, that's a great question, Phil. I I don't know. I mean, no one's going to be able to duplicate what Nick Saban did. Greatest college resume of all time, in my opinion, and it's not close. And it's hard to believe that you're going to be able to replace a guy who won six national championships at that school, seven overall, and not have somewhat of a drop-off. Now, the, now the issue is, is the run being over, meaning they're not going to win any more national championships. I think that would probably be a stretch. And certainly, they'll be in the playoffs, you would think, especially with the expanded field. It's not like they don't have any talent there. They're not bereft of talent now just because Nick Saban left. I mean, Kalen DeBoer is inheriting a cupboard that is quite full going into next year. If they hang in there. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the portal's going to open again in the spring. How much do they like these guys? Are they going to stick there with him? We'll be back. Continue with your phone calls in a moment. We continue on this Friday night edition of Sports Talk, Sports Talk Media Network. Glad you're with us. Phil Kornblut, Chris Bergen, Pat Daniel. Phone number 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery. Lucky number. Get you online with. In their new coach coming from Washington. Well, in 2022 with Michael Penix Jr. as his quarterback, Washington averaged 370 passing yards per game. They averaged 146 rushing yards per game. So they had a great mix. Obviously, they had a great quarterback. Um, and they were 11-2. and two. And then this year, of course, going 14-1, and one, Penix back at quarterback. They threw it for 344. Uh, they ran it for not as much. 118 so again leaning heavily on the passing game with the quarterback a quarterback that he knew from his days at the University of Indiana now they did have an excellent running back they added to the uh, team this year in Dylan Johnson who by the way is headed to the NFL and he rushed for 1195 yards and 16 touchdowns so um, even though the average by the team Running the football was not great. They had an 11, 1,200-yard rusher in, in Dylan Johnson. So, obviously, uh, offense is his strength. And um, with the right personnel, he can make it cook, both on the uh, on the ground and through the air. So, I think if you're an Alabama fan, uh, you look at this with some guarded excitement because this guy has been a winner, big-time winner at the NAIA level, then a brief stint at Fresno State, and then two years at Washington. Um, he's not, Chris, a guy that has a lot of major college experience. Right. He's not one of those grizzled veterans who's, who's spent 15, 20 years coaching on the D1 high level because he spent a lot of his time at the NAIA level. So from that standpoint, maybe you got some Alabama fans who are kind of holding their breath and maybe a little bit reserved about this hire. Uh, football is football, right? I mean, if you can coach, you can coach. And I think this guy is a very good coach. The question is, it's not his offensive prowess. is 
can he establish that he can also figure out a way to coach defense? Alabama fans are not going to sit and watch them give up 45 points a game and, and get run all over the way Michigan ran over them in the national championship game. His defense at Washington was not very good. Now, is that on him? Is that on his D.C.? Is that on the fact he didn't get the players that he'll be able to lure to Alabama, especially on that side of football? I guess that remains to be seen. But he is definitely going to have to soar that up for sure. Yeah. All right, 888 South Carolina Education Lottery Lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. And, Pat, what you got for us? Well, I've got something. My computer just froze, so what I was trying to read. Here we go. So just a few more things to add about this DeBoer hiring, just some more look at the numbers with his time at Washington. So he inherited back in 2021 a team that had gone 4-8 and eight in 2021. Not great. He then led the Huskies to an 11-2 and record the next year in 2022, and then this past year, of course, 14-1 and and making it to the national championship game. So he went to 25-3 and in those two seasons at Washington. A few notable wins there or records against coaches that Alabama reportedly was also after. DeBoer went 3-0 and against Oregon's Dan Lanning, which I think a lot of us thought might have been Alabama's top candidate. And he also went 2-0 and against Texas's Steve Sarkeesian, including in the mm. national semifinal. So he went 5-0 and against two other coaches that I think we all thought were pretty serious candidates high up on the list for Alabama to replace Nick Saban. So those are good numbers. Some bad numbers. You look at his recruiting rankings uh, at Washington in 2022. This is, so this is DeBoer's recruiting classes. And take it with a grain of salt. This is via 247 Sports Composite Rankings. 2022, they were the 95th overall class, or 11th in the Pac-12. 2023, big step up. 26th overall, still 4th in the Pac-12. 2024, this is prior to any defections that may have happened now with this announcement, of course. They were 36th overall, 10th in the now Big Ten. I'm not sure if that's going to cut it at Alabama. Now, recruiting at Alabama is an entirely different animal than recruiting at Washington. I don't have any in-depth knowledge of the facilities at Washington, so I can't really speak to how they compare. But Alabama, I think most of us would, would, would compare against anybody's. I mean, they're some of the no top doubt. tier in the country. Mm-hmm. So that's, you would think, going to be an immediate help with recruiting. But also an extra number, looking at this past team, of the starting, 2020, uh, sorry, of the starting 22 players, so 11 on offense, 11 on defense, if I'm counting this right, 19 of those 22 were upperclassmen, 16 of those 2020, sorry, I keep saying 2022, 16 of those 22 were at least seniors, if not fifth-year seniors or sixth-year seniors, a lot of who, a lot of whom transferred in via the, the transfer portal. So where I'm going with this is, is he capable of recruiting top-fledged players and develop, developing them, or in his brief tenure as a Power 5 coach, has he been more reliant upon the transfer portal, and will this uh, react? Will this make me that I will this mean success at Alabama? Sorry, I'm struggling with my words right now. Will he uh, find success at Alabama through the portal, or will he now be able to capitalize on those great facilities, on the program that uh, the caliber program that Nick Saban built? I think that would be a big question mark in my in my mind if I'm an Alabama fan. Good questions, good questions. All all right. Triple eight eight nine eight two five two five is the number. NFL this weekend. Wild card weekend tomorrow. You've got the Browns at the Texans. All right, no weather there. That's at 430. Then, I mean, just adding to the fact that it's already going to be 
unbelievably cold. They're going to play at night in Kansas yeah. City. <laughs> and the Dolphins are leaving Miami to go to minus 30 wind chill <laughs> against the Chiefs. Can't wait to see that on Peacock. And then That's Sunday at 1. Hawaiian shirt today in honor of the uh, bad weather all across the NFL. Thought maybe this would <laughs> warm things up a little bit for them. Love it, Chris. Well, I feel warm. I feel warm uh, looking at you for sure. Well, you've got your Aruba shirt on. I mean, a hat on. So I, I do. Think we're, we've got it covered. Yeah. Uh, Sunday, you got the Steelers at the Bills. It's going to be absolutely miserable. You get the Packers at the Cowboys. No weather there. Rams at the Lions. No weather there. And then Monday night, you've got the Eagles at the Bucks. Uh, no weather there to worry about. So looking forward to the NFL playoffs. Let's go to the phones once again, 888-898-2525. And it is Bruce in Missouri with us next on the program. He can tell us how cold it is out there. Bruce, welcome in. How are you? Oh, yes. Um, I'm going to be below zero tomorrow. Ooh. So we're, we're going to be sound cold. Yeah. You're just you're coming across like you're just cold, freezing, miserable. Well, I'm in a good place. I'm not cold. But it's cold outside, and the wind's blowing right through whatever you're wearing. So I bet that's what they're going to be facing. Uh, y'all have um, made a big, you know, leap into this uh, event that we just had uh, with Alabama, and you need to go back into history. And I remember they hired a coach out of, I think it was, uh, uh, let's see, it was um, Washington State. Uh-huh. And he came down, and uh, he was there for a few months, and they took him down to a club in Florida, and they took pictures of him enjoying himself and stuff down there. He was partying with the guys from from Alabama. And uh, it got out all the stuff that he uh, was doing down there and everything, and he didn't last, I don't think, two or three months after that. So the fans are vicious fans, and I think it was Shula that took his place. You're right. That was that was a very controversial time for uh, Alabama. Um the the coach that came in, I'm trying to remember his name. Who Mike was that? Price. Mike Price, yeah. Name? Mike Price, who had some great quarterbacks at Washington State. Did he not have some of those really good passing quarterbacks? I don't know don't know exactly, you know, tying in his years, but uh he came to Alabama with a, a terrific reputation for throwing the football, I think. But then he got a little sideways. He got a little sideways there and it, it yeah, it um Forced them to cut ties with him pretty quickly, I would say. Well, I think it was partly some of the upper people in the um, community took him down there to party with him, and they blackmailed him, I guess. It was right, it seemed like that was what they were trying to do, is blackmail him to get out of there because he wasn't mm-hmm. Alabama. Well, I mean, then that's uh, on him for being that stupid. You know, to allow himself to be put into that kind of situation, knowing he is the head football coach at the University of Alabama. I mean, if somebody's going to sucker you down to Florida, throw you in that situation, and you leave yourself open for that and pictures, <laughs> you're pretty stupid. And, you know, it ended pretty quickly for him after that. All right, thank you. That was back in 2002. 
Mike Price was fired by Alabama without coaching a single game. That's right. Didn't he make it to the season because of, I'm reading this from the AP, May 4th, May 3rd, May 4th of 2002, because of behavior including a night at a topless bar, uh, the president of the university said uh, Price failed to live his personal and professional life in a manner consistent with university policies. He was hired away from Washington State that previous December, went on a trip to Florida for a pro-am golf tournament. And uh, Price was warned before that trip about his public behavior. So did he have a history? Wow, yeah. Why would they warn him in advance? Did he have a history? I mean, dude, you know. while you're on vacation, don't go in the strip clubs. If you've got to be <laughs> I mean, told that, I mean, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a problem right off the bat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. He was 57 at the time. So, all right, uh, 888-898-2525. Thank you for the call out there in freezing Missouri. Let's stay on the phones here on Sports Talk. And next up is going to be uh, Sam in Charleston. Sam, our man in Charleston with the red hot. I mean, Sam, the Cougars are on fire. You better buy. If you're buying stock, Sam, in the Cougars, you better buy some now. Well, actually, first of all, let me me give you a brief introduction to myself. Uh, I'm Sam. I'm from Charleston. I'm Diehard Cougars fan, um, it's my entire life, and um, graduated in 2015. And I wish you guys a very healthy, a happy, healthy 2024 year. And Phil, Chris, and Pat, you guys are doing really well. Um, I know it's been a really long time I called you guys, and hope you guys are staying busy as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a quick, have a quick um, three-part question to ask you. Do you guys remember? Did you guys remember last year we had that um, watch party at the college to show off that TV arena? Because we oh, no. had the uh, Pat. Pat kind of keeps up with the watch parties for us at the at the arena there. Pat, did we? You remember those watch parties that Sam was telling us about last the, year? The block party, the Charleston yeah. block party they have at the beginning. I believe that's before the season starts each year. It's just like a, a big celebration. You talking about that, Sam? Um, no, um, this is a different one. Got it. So, <laughs> I was at the um, I was at the TD Arena for um, I think it was not this March, but last March last year. We have we have like um, concession stands open for the um, Cougar fans and stuff, and they have that um, Selection Sunday thing. Yeah. I gotta tell you, I was on that TV with my team, and I gotta tell you. That team last year, if you look at it this way, we had Bolin, Ryan Larson. I'll read this again. Bolin, Ryan Larson, um, and Ty Bosevich. This team was a great team from last year's team. But you guys hear we won against the, um, the good team we had last night. But he was Well, I got to tell you. I'm not here to brag anything about that. I'm not judging kind of person. But what I think about it as a team this year, our on I'm sorry, I got this word confused. Mm. Offen- offensive team. How do we do? How do we? How do we get more better about 
handling the ball, not turning the ball too early. And is it, what is the word called? Um, offensive movement. Is that right? Well, let me say this, Sam. First of all, Happy New Year to you. We saw you on the video last year when they got the announcement about uh, where they were headed. Thought you were one of the players. I, I thought you were a power forward. The way you were uh, jumping around and uh, excited with the players, I thought you were going to throw something down, <laughs> throw a dunk down or something. You, you looked so fired up. So we did get a good look at you. We said, that's got to be Sam, our man from down there in Charleston. And so, Chris, the question about turnovers and cutting down on turnovers, what's your advice? If, if you could tell Pat Kelsey what to do about cutting down turnovers, <laughs> what would you tell him? I don't know that they need to turn uh, cut down all that many. They're only averaging about 11 a game. And, mm-hmm. you know, you turn it over between, you know, eight to ten times a game. I think most college coaches would sign up for that right off the bat. I don't think that's an issue with them whatsoever right now. And they're, they've figured something out, <clears throat> excuse me, since – and I've got to see – I've seen them twice this year because Coastal, unfortunately, has seen them twice <laughs> and had no luck against them either time. But they, there was something missing early in the season when they came over to Myrtle Beach for the Myrtle Beach Invitational. They figured it out since then, and they've been on some run since the early portion of December. And they've got, I think they're probably not quite as, quite as good as they were last year. But if Rain Smith can continue to shoot the three as well as he, he is right now, right around 39%, he's already hit 44 on the year. I mean, he's a dangerous weapon for them outside. They can rebound. They can play defense. I mean, they've got the they've got the tools to make another run through the what is now not the Colonial anymore. It's the Coastal Athletic Association. So they've certainly oh, yeah. mm-hmm. uh, got got the tools to make a run and win that tournament and go back to the NCAA. And then at that point in time, as we found out last year, they just got a horrible matchup with San Diego State. Yeah. I mean, that was probably the worst matchup they could have drawn in the first round. If they get a better matchup, they're they're capable of winning a game or two in the tournament. Sam, Sam, real quick, or sorry, yeah. Phil, real quick before yeah. we move on from Sam, because I know we still got to hit a break real quick, too. But uh, yep. the other night during our hooping and hollering segment, we had on Westwood first year, I believe, head basketball coach Trent Robinson. And he came from Charleston, if I remember correctly, or was at Charleston at, at one point. Mm-hmm. Sam, do you do you remember do you remember uh, Coach Robinson from down there in Charleston? He had a lot of really nice yeah. things to say about you. Okay, so tell me what he said. He said that uh, well, we asked him how if, if he knew you well, because we, you've told us about being a team manager for a number of years now and being a part of the program, being a part of the team. And he kind of chuckled and said, yeah, you know, we all know Sam. Everybody knows Sam, and he's just a great, great young man, and he's always, he's always out there high-fiving every single player as they run out of the tunnel onto the field and talking about how much you help to hype up the team before, well, before every game. So I just thought you might want to hear well, that. Well, Pat, I just wanted to know that last night um, there's a Pat Kelsey bobblehead. Oh, and cool! I saw that. That and, thing is cool. Um, mm. I want you. I want. I want you to hear something, okay? All right, I'm gonna play something. <laughs> we can't hey, hear Sam. it real well, but our city. <laughs> we we gotta go. We gotta go. But before we let you go. What city are you in, and whose city is it? Well, actually, this is my city. Well, actually, this is my city. This is our city. And uh, tomorrow at 4.30, we got to pack the six. The six 
man freaking strong. We want to revamp the TD for touchdown, Jesus. All right. Love it, Thank Sam. you, Sam. We got to go to a break because we're getting up against it. Appreciate that. Always good to hear from Sam, our man in Charleston, keeping an eye on the Cougs. We're playing some very good basketball yeah, right are. now, Mr. Bergen. Yeah, they are. And I saw uh, Pat Kelsey's bobblehead, and it came complete with his famous Smedium shirt. I want one. I thought it was kind of funny, too. Because <laughs> Coach Kelsey likes to show off uh, his upper body strength, for sure. Yes, he does. All right, we'll hit the break. Be back with more in a moment. Don't go away. We're with Major Billy Downer of the Department of Natural Resources. Major Downer, let's say I'm out in the woods or I'm on the water and I need to reach a DNR agent. How do I do that? Operation Game Thief, Phil. It's been around 30-plus years. You can call us at our 24-hour hotline any time of day, 1-800-922-5431. To report wildlife violations or to get help if you're in trouble in the woods or on the water, call us at Operation Game Thief, 1-800-922-5431. Last year was a big year for Founders Federal Credit Union and our amazing members. A total of $30 million was given back to qualifying members in the form of loyalty bonus dividends, proving once again that it pays to be a Founders member. Founders is also committed to pouring time and resources into the local communities we serve. If you aren't a member yet, what are you waiting for? Join Founders today. Visit foundersfcu.com. Federally insured by NCUA. Membership qualification required. I'm attorney Jim Corbett. That's the sound of a big hit on you and your car or truck. I've been an attorney for more than 30 years, helping people who get injured in car wrecks and truck wrecks. If you have serious injuries, call Jim Corbett, 803-765-2968, or email me at jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. That's C-O-R-B-E-T-T. I don't get paid unless I recover for you. Jim Corbett Attorney, for your best recovery from a big hit, 803-765-2968, or jim at jimcorbettattorney.com. Hi, yes, uh, I'll have the club sandwich and house salad. You got it, sweetie. I'll throw in a pair of designer sunglasses as well. Um, just lunch, thanks. How about a week at my boss's oceanfront villa? What? When you join the South Carolina Education Lottery's Players Club, you get way more than you expect. More chances, more wins, and more surprises. Today's special, a trip to low Earth orbit in a private spaceship. Join the Players Club at seeducationlottery.com because more happens here. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, coming up on the top of the hour, in the next hour, we'll continue with your phone calls, 888-898-2525. We will give you the latest on the recruiting side of things. And at 730, birdies, bogeys, and biceps around South Carolina, brought to you by Tsunami Bar Sports. George Bryan the third will join us. We'll chop it up on the golf scene, talk about 
what's happening out in Hawaii. The first official tournament of the year is underway. Uh, we'll talk about Tiger Woods breaking the 27-year marriage with Nike and where he goes from there and what he might be doing this coming season. I sure hope Tiger, you know, he's 47, I think, right? 47. Of course, his body's probably like the age of a 65- or 70-year-old guy that's been hit by a, a train as much as he's put his body through. But I sure would like to see him get to the point where he can just play in more than the majors and a few select tournaments here and there. Uh, not that he has anything to, to certainly gain from it, but I think for golf, for the PGA Tour, as it looks like, too, the PGA and Live Golf might be getting closer on a an agreement of some of some sort here based on a story I saw here late this afternoon. They were supposed to get it done before the turn of the year and couldn't get it done. But I sure would like to see Tiger a little more active in the tournaments and on the golf course, just from my own perspective, my own enjoyment of the golf of the golf season. Terry on golf, that a guy who's got a broken down body now is not going to be a legitimate contender anymore, has to still be on TV just so, so people can tune in and watch. He is yeah, the attraction. Yeah, I mean, he it, is. There's no doubt. Yeah, yeah. I don't I mean, get it, but he is. And I, I certainly don't get it now. I understood it when he was in his heyday, but I don't mm-hmm. get Tiger's attraction now because he's not competitive. He's not a very good golfer compared to what he used to be. But you're right. I mean, the, the ratings prove that he is still the only guy on the tour that can move the needle. Is the breakup between he and Nike a sign that maybe he does not expect to play in more than just the majors? I don't know. That's what we'll ask George about. We'll get his take on that coming up at 7.30, and we'll be back. Welcome back to Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. You can reach the guys with the South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number, 888-898-2525. That's 888-898-2525. Now back to Phil, Chris, and Pat with the second hour of Sports Talk on the Sports Talk Media Network. We're back with you. Hour number two of Sports Talk on this chilly Friday night. Phil Kornblut and Chris Bergen and Pat Daniel. If you want to join us, phone number is 888-898-2525. South Carolina Education Lottery lucky number for you here on Sports Talk. So if you're just joining us, busy, busy, heavy news day. Alabama's got their new head football coach, Kalen DeBoer. By the way, breaking news, Nick Saban is going to be joining the game day show for ESPN starting next year. He's already been given an Emmy, and he won it under the name of Lou Saban. (laughs) Just thought I'd go ahead and break the news. Nick is joining but they're going to call him Lou Saban for the purpose of getting him his Emmy, okay? So, I'm sorry. They can't live that down. And the amazing no, thing is they shouldn't. did not fire anybody. Crazy. Nobody got fired for doing that. They just got maybe reprimanded or I don't know what they did internally, but nobody got fired. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine any of us working for our bosses? Well, I don't have a boss anymore. Um, when we did have bosses – uh, doing something like that and not getting canned immediately? Where, where have standards gone in this in this country in this business? Where have standards gone? They can just claim. There is no, go ahead, yeah, Chris. Go ahead, Pat. 
they can just claim that it was he was part of the seven or eight layoffs that ESPN's had over the last couple of years. You know, they've been letting go of, of uh, employees left oh. and right. They could just say, hey, we got rid of the guy or gal that did that. No, they didn't, though. The fact is, you're, I mean. So we know who it is, and that person is still there, confirmed? Oh, yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it it. was four people uh, working behind the scenes to create this whole ruse. And uh, as far as I know, according to the uh, story that has come out this week and the um, apology that ESPN wrote to the people that hand out the Emmys, whatever that organization is, that acronym, N-A-S-D-A, something like that, they didn't say anything about anybody being fired, that they would um, – they were being removed from certain responsibilities, but they weren't being fired. You know, I don't think they took it as being uh, a serious a big deal. Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, the, uh, not a serious reflection on them as a as a sports entity, as a journalistic entity, as a media company. I I just think they thought it was a joke gone bad. Um, when if you if you look at what's come uh, out of it since then, so anyway. What else we got? ESPN we got, views uh, itself, yeah. Phil. ESPN mm-hmm. views itself as too big to fail, and they don't care. There, there is no integrity in journalism anymore, and they're proof positive. Some of the things that they hold people to standards to, and then other stuff that they ignore, like this. I mean, you're lying to win an award. And first off, why does anybody know who wins an Emmy? I, I would look at the uh, staff of College Game Day and would think that, yeah, Reese Davis probably won several. I, I would think Kirk Herbstreit's won a bunch. I, they don't need to lie about it. Mm-hmm. Who cares? I mean, does yeah. the average fan even care? Yeah. I don't know why they, they even thought this was important enough to try and uh, commit a ruse to this degree. They just look foolish, which well, ESPN is good at doing. I think their motivation was because of the rules in place, the people on the show, the front right. people that you mentioned, weren't eligible. And so for some reason they concocted this idea to fake it and get these guys and gals Emmys so I guess they would feel better about themselves, and I guess when ESPN would be touting the number of Emmys that were handed out to them, they would I guess they were counting those among their Emmys because I think it was the people who do the Emmys who, who discovered what was going on and took it to ESPN. They didn't discover it themselves, I don't think. I think the other people discovered it and said, hey, what's going on here with these we didn't give Emmys to these people, blah, 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 blah. So anyway. <laughs> well, I just can't see never you know, live the average- that down. The average football fan thinking, all right, let's see. Before I watch the uh, games this weekend, ESPN's got 27 Emmys. Fox mm-hmm. Sports says 30. Uh, NBC Sports only has 10. So I'm going to only watch Fox this weekend because they clearly have better people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just well, I agree. Just zero sense to me. It I don't really think didn't. it sticks with, uh, with the everyday person <laughs> for sure. Uh, we got basketball tomorrow. I'll be at Little John for Clemson and Boston College, so you can follow our coverage there. That game will tip off. At 3 o'clock, I mentioned Boston College not having the greatest of years to this point. At 10-5 and five overall, but 1-3 and three in the ACC. They have um, won um, just one of their last uh, three games on the ACC. They lost to Wake Forest. They lost to Syracuse last time out, and they beat Georgia Tech. Uh, in fact, they're in the midst of a three-game road trip. They played at Georgia Tech. They played at Syracuse. Now they're playing at Clemson. Heck of a schedule there. You're you're in Boston, so you fly to Atlanta, you come back, then you go to Syracuse, you go home, now you go to Clemson. Talking about up and down the 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 uh, the East Coast there. Well, I mean, I guess Boston to Syracuse is not that bad, but 
heading yeah, back down to play, Clemson again yeah, as part exactly, of a three-game road exactly. trip. Yeah, yeah. Well, why wouldn't you play Georgia Tech and Clemson on the same trip? Uh, but again, you know that that would uh, have making sure the guys can get back and go to class and all that kind of stuff. You know that doesn't matter anymore. Is this a must-win for Clemson and Brad Brownell's team? Well, I was just going to say. Um, it's too early to say must, but I would say this game has to be all about Clemson Important. at home yeah. and kind yeah. of reestablishing things, don't you think? I agree. I think this is an important game for them. I, I, I think it's probably, like you said, too early to call must win, but definitely one they got they need to win for sure. They only lost six games in the ACC last year all season, and if they were to lose this, they'd already be one and four. That would be quite a, a hole yeah. to climb out of. Yeah. Of course, Earl Grant, Charleston native. Uh, former coach at the College of Charleston, uh, coming in as uh, the head coach at Boston College. And he is, um, you know, he really hasn't had a great team yet at BC during his tenure there. Um, And they, you know, um, I'm not even sure have they made the tournament um, since he's been there. Let's see. Well, he's been there for two seasons through – his two seasons uh, there, so he's—I guess—he's really just just starting to um, to get, kind of get things built. Um, Sixteen wins last year, did win nine ACC games last year, but I don't believe that he has made the tournament in his in his two years. They he have not made the tournament since. Uh, sorry to jump, but they have not made the yeah. tournament since oh eight oh nine Boston yeah. College. They did extend his contract through twenty twenty nine, so he's there for the long haul. A chance to try to build something there. And he's well regarded, of course, a former uh, assistant coach at Clemson and a very highly regarded basketball coach. So we'll see how he does. But this game's got to be all about Clemson tomorrow, being at Little John, the way things have gone for the Tigers. They just better pick it up defensively, Chris, I would say. That has got to be first and foremost on their mind. They've got to play better defense. They probably have practiced without a ball the last two days, would be my guess, because scoring has not been a problem for them offensively, especially, you know, their most recent outing. They look really good on offense. Problem was they couldn't stop Virginia Tech if they had seven guys out on the floor. So uh, my guess is Brad Brownell, the past couple of days had not been a whole lot of fun for that basketball team, and understandably so. I mean, they are not meeting what he he sort of deems as their DNA. And that's get after you on defense. I would expect a much better effort tomorrow. If not, uh, this season could get off the rails in a hurry. Now, these two teams, they both average about 79 points per game. Uh, they're both giving up about 72 points per game. Uh, Clemson shooting it a little bit better at 48% compared to about 46-6 for Boston College, where Clemson has, uh, well, they were, of course, uh, terrible from three-point range against North Carolina, a little bit better. Last week, they're still shooting a respectable 37% from three-point range. You would settle for that, wouldn't you, for a season like 37 38%? Oh, yeah, absolutely, yeah. If you're up close to 40%, I think most coaches around the country would sign up for that right now. You'd be in probably the top 25 nationally, I would think. So a big one for Clemson tomorrow at home just to get back on the winning side and kind of get their people back behind them. And then South Carolina – Playing at Missouri, the Gamecocks are 1-1. One and one. They had that win over Mississippi State and then that terrible second half. I wonder how at Alabama, you know, if you're Lamont Paris, you certainly – did you burn the video of the second half and say, guys, just flush that mm-hmm. second half at Alabama. Think more about what you did against Mississippi State and don't dwell so much on what you did at Alabama in the second half. That was a one-point game in halftime. Then the Gamecocks just couldn't make a shot. 
I think they ended up with what six made field goals in the. Or am I confusing that with Clemson? They kind of run together. No, I, that's, that's, yeah, I think that's right. That's and, what it was. And I think you yeah. make. I think you watch that tape, Phil, because I think it's a learning moment for a team as veteran as they are, having not really played all that much together as a squad. You know, all those different pieces they brought together first year playing together. I think Lamont Paris can probably utilize that second half against Alabama and say, look, guys, watch your body language. As you continue to miss shots on the offensive end of the floor, your defensive intensity continue to wane, and that's why Alabama pushed that from a one-point game out to double digits and beyond. And it's not going to get easier tomorrow because you're talking about a Missouri team under Dennis Gates that will get after you. And they're one of the top teams in the country, certainly in the league, in steals, and, and they play very aggressive defensively. They block shots, and they can shoot the three. So South Carolina, if they, if they bring that kind of defensive intensity they had against Alabama in the second half, they'll get run out of the building tomorrow. They've got to play a whole lot better, much like Clemson. They've got to play a whole lot better on the defensive end tomorrow. All right, a note from Clemson football just coming out. Dabo Sweeney had a team meeting this afternoon, and TigerNet David Hood reporting that Nick Eason has now been named the Tigers' associate head coach. Of course, he coaches the interior defensive line, so they're making him as well the Tigers' associate head coach. And also, Nolan Turner, former safety, is coming back to the program as a defensive analyst. He spent some time with the Buccaneers in the NFL, now joining the staff as a defensive analyst. So um, there you go. That is uh, what can, he had. Uh, I think they had their first team meeting of the the new years or getting into their weight training and getting ready for spring practice. So he's ma- making Nick Eason the, uh, the Tigers associate head coach. That is that is high praise for a guy who obviously has done a terrific job, but he's only been back on the staff for, what, two seasons? And to move him because associate head coach I think means one he's – ne- I think I think this past year was yeah, his first year. Okay, that's right. Yeah. So, I mean, you're talking about a guy who is second in line to Sweeney, right, as associate head coach. That's what that means, correct? I mean, it's Dabo and then Nick Easton in terms of the lineage going down through the uh, – so he's above the coordinators and everybody else would be uh, my read into that. I thought Mike as associate Reed was head like coach. A, uh, I thought Mike Reed was also like a, an associate. Can you have – I mean – let me look this up. I thought multiple, Mike yeah. Reed was uh, an assistant head coach or associate head coach. So, um, uh, excuse me one second, bud. I got my little one coming in here. Hang <laughs> on, bud. I'll be right with you. Be patient. Ask okay? him what he thinks about the Kansas yeah. City uh, Dolphins game tomorrow night. Who do you like in the Kansas City uh, Miami <laughs> game tomorrow, Dylan? You got a pick for me? Who do you like? He doesn't know. <laughs> but who is who is your Ask favorite team? Ask him about team? the Packers then. <laughs> Can you say – I thought the Packers were your favorite team. I don't know. He doesn't know that either. Okay. <laughs> and this was Nick Season's second year back at Clemson, by the way. He was hired back on January 7th, 2022. So he was there for the 2022 season and now now 23 as well. I'm looking at, my, uh, at uh, Michael Reed, and I'm showing here just uh, still special teams coordinator slash cornerbacks coach. So he does not carry an assistant head coaching title or anything like that? I don't believe so. Not that I'm seeing here, no. Okay. All right, let's go to the break. When we come back, uh, I will have cleared the little ones out of the way. Hmm. And we'll get to the uh, recruiting report tonight. Then at the bottom of the hour, George Bryan joins us. And we'll talk about the golf world here in South Carolina, the PGA Tour. Talk about Tsunami Bar Sports and physical fitness and all that kind of good stuff. And the Celtics being run off television last night because they were so bad. 
<laughs> wow. Get into that. <laughs> How about the Lakers as well? That was a Bad terrible night, night for TNT. No doubt. Well, and they were. it was a doubleheader on TNT, and Charles was not happy with what he had to watch. All right, back after the break. Call Lawyer Lisa. Experience the difference with Lawyer Lisa. Hi, this is Lisa Hostetler-Brown. If you or a loved one are over 65 and haven't completed a long-term care planning consultation, now is the time. Did you know that if you aren't able to afford the high cost of skilled care, your assets can be rapidly depleted to only $2,000 unless you plan five years in advance? Visit LawyerLisa.com to see how we can help. 7511 St. Andrews Road, Irmo, South Carolina. You've put in the work for your education. The extra early, extra late, extra, extra work. That's because you understand education opens doors to better pay, better opportunities, and a better you. Being educated about playing the lottery is no different. It helps you be a better player, one who knows when to play and when to take a rain check. The lottery's a game, so let's keep it fun. Learn more at sceducationlottery.com slash better you. George Bryant here for Tsunami Bar Sports, and some say the fun is in the winning. I say the fun is in the training. And Tsunami Robbie, what do you say? George, we all know you get more done when you're having fun. This technology is different, it's engaging, but it's also a lot of fun to use. Hi, this is Phil Kornblut. Be sure to click on the digital ad on sportstalksc.com and get 5% off any Tsunami Bar order using promo code BBB5. Don't wait. Order today. Touchstone Energy Cooperative members save more, more on electricity, and members save more on insurance, groceries, health care, restaurants, travel, concerts, and sporting events through co-op connections. Touchstone Energy is an alliance of the member-owned electric cooperatives, and as a member, the power is yours. Experience the power of co-op membership with Touchstone Energy and find out how much you can save on electricity and a whole lot more at touchstoneenergy.com. All right, as we head into recruiting, we did determine that Mike Reed is an assistant head coach at Clemson as part of his title. That's okay. Assistant head coach, special teams coordinator, cornerbacks, but Bergy, your interpretation, assistant compared to associate, you think associate is higher up the chain of command? Yeah, I would think if, if you're going to use sort of military terms and you have a general as your head coach, I, w- I think an associate head coach is like a colonel, and the assistants are, you know, below that. It's, at least in basketball terms, that's mm-hmm. sort of the way it works. I, I, again, it's hard to, as you pointed out, don't conflate the two because mm-hmm. uh, football staffs are grown to the fact they're they're bigger than most teams. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm not sure. But my, my assumption is associate head coach carries a little bit more weight than just assistant coach. All right. Well, Nick Eason, two years. Either way, yeah. That's I forgot he'd been there for two years. Two years on the staff. Two years on the staff. That's right because uh, – Chris Rumpf is the newcomer because they lost uh, the defensive end coach and then they have the new offensive line coach. Okay, those are the new, two newcomers at Clemson this year, defensive end and, and offensive line to this point. Yeah, Eason came in when, uh, when Todd Bates left. Gotcha, gotcha. Okay, 
to recruiting now brought to you by Seawells. And I'm sure it was a big day at Seawells today. Uh, today, of course, a roast beef Friday. Pat, Woo-hoo! I don't know if you were there, but if you were there, tell us what you would have done. Now, if you were there, tell us what you did. But if you weren't there, tell us what you would have done. So I was curious about the baked flounder fillets, so I wanted to go check that out. I may or may not have had two lunches today. I was uh, <laughs> I wanted to reward myself after a tough, tough work week. So I did have plenty of the roast beef. Uh, I did not have any fried chicken today. I usually do. But instead, I tried a piece of that baked flounder, and it was outstanding. And next thing I knew, I'd had about seven of them. It was good in gravy, like everything else. Surprise, surprise. So uh, mm. today was another successful day at Seawells. Good crowd, good folks, good people. It's always good fellowship if you like to go meet new folks as well. It's a, it's a great place to go be. Go have lunch. See, that, that's a problem. You're right. But when I go to eat a buffet, and I'm eating big, I don't know about you, Chris, you and Pat, when I'm eating big, I don't want to be bothered. Ah. I mean, I don't want to be rude, <laughs> but I just don't want – I'm focused on the, on the plate. You know what I mean? So there was a gentleman over in the corner sitting at a table by himself. You would have been, you would have been him, huh? That's me. Got it. All right. And my back, and my back would have been to everybody else in the room. His I, face to the wall. Yeah, I got it. I just so sat I'm down at a random table. <laughs> I just sat at a random table with some guys and made some new friends. There you go. That's good. That's good. Uh, and don't forget, of course, the uh, daily lunch buffet every day, Monday through Friday, from 11 till 2. And you need the very best in the catering business. Then you just reach out to Seawell's. Their website is SeawellsCateringSC.com, and their phone number is 803-771-7385. So on the recruiting side of things, defensive end Isaiah Gibson, 6'5", 250, Warner Robins, Georgia. He is a Clemson and USC target, and they're in good position with him right now. He talked earlier this week with Chris Rumpf of Clemson and Sterling Lucas of USC, and he said he hears – from both of them a lot he has not set any visits with them but he plans to when he can work them in around his basketball schedule if he can get to the campuses in january or february he will if not he'll make his visits later in the spring now he has set a visit to florida for this monday and one to georgia on february 13th one advantage for clemson related to gibson is his former teammate vic burley is a freshman defensive lineman for the tigers He visited Clemson for the Notre Dame game, and Dabo Sweeney offered him while standing on the paw at midfield during pregame warm-ups. That's a sign of we want you really badly. Yeah. Mm. Gibson said he always liked South Carolina a lot. He cited the coaches and their environment. He's visited there several times. He said he does not have what he would call a favorites list, but he said his strongest relationships right now are with Clemson, USC, Oregon, Florida, Tennessee, and Southern Cal. He plans to take official visits this summer, then make a decision prior to his senior season. Last season, Gibson said he rang up 17 sacks and totaled 55 quarterback pressures. So he lives in the backfield. Offensive tackle Jalen Gilchrist from Virginia has set a visit with USC for January 27th. USC offered wide receiver Malik Clark, 6'1", 170 of Rock Hill. USC offered 2026 cornerback Kevin White, 6'1", 170 of Miami. USC offered running back and receiver Zymir Smith, 6'170", 
Ridgely, Missouri. Last season, he rushed for 670 yards and eight touchdowns. He caught 12 passes for 427 yards and four touchdowns. Kentucky also offered him on Friday. Former USC cornerback Isaiah Norris is transferring to North Carolina Central. Now, also keep in mind, I don't know if this has been confirmed, but I know it was reported earlier in the week by Helma Granahan, the big spur, that uh, Robbie Alford would be visiting South Carolina uh, this weekend, the transfer quarterback from Auburn. So I don't know if that's happened or happening. We'll keep an eye out for any reports on that. But that was talked about as something that could happen this week as the Gamecocks still look. I know they got the transfer PWO in Davis Bevel, but I think they want a more established, more big-time quarterback uh, with major experience to come in and either compete with Lenore Sellers or at least be there to back him up should something happen with Lenore Sellers. Uh, and that's it for recruiting. Uh, let's pick up on that for a moment, guys, as we get ready to hit the break. Um, I mean, the Gamecocks right now have Lenore Sellers as the clear guy at quarterback for mm-hmm. them, which is all well and good. But really, the last we saw of him in a very competitive situation was when he was winning a state championship at South Florence. Isn't it a little risky to be putting everything regarding your season on the backs of an untested redshirt freshman quarterback and say to him in the SEC, go win me some ball games, go win at Alabama, for example? Yeah, I mean, in a perfect world, sure. You'd like to be able to have a quarterback in, in every class and you play your senior and then when he leaves, you play the guy who was a junior the year before and he steps in and he plays, but – we're well beyond that, Phil, and I think if, if Lenore Sellers, they feel like he gives them the best chance to win regardless of age, run him out there and see what he can do. I, I know Gamecock fans were hoping a bowl game would have actually probably benefited him as much as anybody just to give him a chance because I don't think he would have played Rattler uh, in a meaningless bowl game with him starting to focus in on the NFL. I think Rattler probably would have set that one out, and then he would have gotten an opportunity since they don't have that. First time we're going to see him is the start of next year. But, yeah, I think bringing in some veteran guys who can push him certainly a good thing because, I mean, we talked about it at Clemson. If Cade Klubnick got hurt, where did they go? They didn't have anybody behind him. And there were times, you know, you would have thought that Dabo Sweeney and the offensive staff and Garrett Riley and those guys would have sat Klubnick down. But I, I don't think they felt like they had a better option so let him go out there and make his mistakes and learn. And maybe South Carolina's in the same boat right now if they can't find anybody better in the portal. Well, let me correct the name. Robbie Ashford. I think I said Alford. Robbie Ashford um, reportedly to visit South Carolina this weekend from earlier in the week. We'll see if that happens. Okay, birdies, bogeys, biceps coming up. Four. Straight down the middle. It went straight down the middle Then it started to hook just a wee wee bit And that's when my caddy lost sight of it That little white pellet has never been found to this day I tell you what, a little rough on the golf course right now, but if you asked our man George Bryan III, there's no such thing as a bad day on the golf course. It is time for birdies, bogeys, biceps around the state of South Carolina. We welcome in the one, the only, well, he's not the only because he's the third, 
the one, the third, George <laughs> Bryan, the third. I guarantee you he was on the links somewhere today in the state of South Carolina. George, welcome in. Hope you're doing well. And uh, did we talk? Let's see. Um, yeah, I think we wished you Happy New Year last year. We'll do it again. And Happy oh, New yeah. Year to you once again. Oh, Happy New Year. We can keep saying it. It's fine with me. <laughs> I, I'll, it, hey, and absolutely I was on the lakes. It didn't start raining here in town until the neighborhood of 3.30, at least where I was. And I was at Selena Golf Club, uh, new, brand spanking new in town, watching, watching Wesley, Scoot, and Matkins uh, played a little golf. They had a little skins game going today, and... Uh, so, absolutely, it was a beautiful day for golf. The weather forecasters were correct, uh, but, you know, it, it came in so late, if you didn't listen to them, you should have enjoyed a wonderful day on the links, at least here in the Midlands. How many holes do you guys now have at Selena? Eleven, and the the rest will be ready in the spring. So we're in what's called preview play, mm-hmm. and the greens, all the greens have – are in place and they are immaculate, uh, put smooth and fast. And but we still have plenty of work to do on the fairways, uh, on the back nine. There actually, there's three fairways that need to be finished up, bunker work. So 18 holes will be ready, and somewhere in May, then uh, the clubhouse facilities and amenities ready. Uh, deep summer, then uh, probably by fall, good to go. So. The, the greens are beautiful. What's there, and hey, we'll, it'll be fun getting you guys out to preview even the eleven holes that are there, Phil. Beautiful. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to it. All right, let's uh, let's begin with a few uh, national golf things first. The first uh, major event of the year, major in terms of it being a real event, not a major. Last week's was just. Uh, Winners only and in, in, in ranked players only, certain level. Now the Sony Open in Hawaii is like the official start of the PGA Tour. And so we've got Carl Juan at 9-under after a 65 and Austin Eckroat on the course at 9-under. Shot a 65 yesterday. Ben Griffin, a 62. He's at 8-under. Stuart Sink, a 65. He's at 8-under. Cam Davis is at 8-under after a 70, and Keith Mitchell is at 8-under after a 64. And then your 7s are Keegan Bradley, Harris English, Akshay Bocchia, and he shot a 64 today. And uh, tell us, do you know much about him? Because he played Akshay, at Wake Forest. Yes. Yeah. Akshay Bahia? Yes, Akshay Bahia. Yeah, he uh... – He's he's absolutely wonderful young fella, and oh, I love watching him play. He's a lefty, and I'm looking. I'm going to that leaderboard to make sure there are a couple of. I do have to help you a little bit on the top name. It's Yuan. It's pronounced Yuan. I often, most of the time, it's in reverse. You are teaching me how hmm. to say names, and it's uh, Carl Yuan. Is how is how it's pronounced, and you're talking about somebody that's just fun to watch. And I'll tell you right now, if there's one person that I could, or two players I could play golf with every day, 
forever, it would be the the two we are speaking of. And even I don't even know you on, but he is so well thought of. He's a fun guy. Uh, and and then I I do know Akshay, and I'm looking up. What did you say? What number he shot? Yeah, that's Akshay Bahayet, seven under shot, six under par today, and he's a lefty. Now, when it comes down to uh, just somebody that is, in my opinion, I think he is going to be big time, will contend in majors. He plays he plays uh, some old school golf, bends it every which way, and is not afraid to do it. And his go-to is a little right to lefter. So a, a lefty that is extremely long with the go-to at right to left, he's dangerous. Mm-hmm. And he's also a lot of fun, just a great personality. So it'll be fun uh, watching how – he's only like 20, 21 maybe. Uh, at plays way older. And then Carl Yuan has got the most unique approach to swinging the golf club that I think I've seen so far. He practices, he practices his landings <laughs> without the trumpet. <laughs> I don't even know how to – describe this move but literally he jumps he jumps into the golf ball and depending on what kind of shot he wants to hit uh he's he's got some residue after the strike i'll put it that way (laughs) it's a gymnastics it could some of them look to be like a little bit of a wreck some of them look to be like a controlled uh gymnastics move so you just gotta Maybe maybe it'll be this weekend that he comes into view, uh, where we where he gets plenty of TV time and takes a rip at it. But he is fun to watch. So. Well, he's from China and he went to the University of Washington. So uh, now, as far as a few of the others, we have uh, Ben Martin at minus one after a seventy and sixty nine for him. Lucas Glover minus one seventy one sixty eight. Carson Young minus one. He had a 69 yesterday, and he is still on the course. The cut is projected at minus two. So he needs to get another birdie in there and hold that line. Matt Neesmith is on the course, even par, 69 yesterday, plus one today. Andrew Novak is plus two. He was even, uh, he was 72 yesterday and even on his round today. Kevin Kisner. I want to ask you about him in just a moment. Kevin Kisner, plus four, uh, 75 yesterday, making the turn, minus one on his round today. So Kisner is moving more and more into the broadcast booth, working with the Golf Channel. Do you think, is 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 this his step to move out of actual uh, week-by-week grinding on the PGA Tour? Is he getting to that point where he's ready to, to cut back and what do you think about him in the television booth from what you've been able to see? I haven't. I cannot comment at this point on either uh, that you brought up other than of all the folks that I'm familiar with. His, I, I actually just think the world of him, and he has got one of the quickest, driest senses uh, of humor. And his perspective now is uh, – I hope that they will allow him some freedom to express himself because he is hilarious and he's a fine young fella. He's been, he's, he's somebody all, he, very few folks 
uh, love the game more and work harder at it. I can't comment on – I haven't heard him in the booth yet mm-hmm. and don't know the specifics of what's going on. Uh, ask, I did ask a couple of folks close if he had been injured, and they didn't comment. And so I don't, I don't know. I will be – I saw uh, Matt Atkins today who plays at Palmetto where – a whole bunch of tour players uh, gather and play. Brooks Blackburn, he is amazing golf pro. I think he's golf pro of the of uh, of the universe. He's the mm. nicest, one of the kindest, friendliest, funniest uh, golf pros that I've ever met. And he's got a lot of game. And I hadn't called Brooksy yet, but uh, Kisner plays there. You mentioned already mentioned Naismith and uh, Scott Brown plays there. Uh, Reggie Wierinski, Wierinski plays there. I know uh, I'm leaving somebody out. I know I'm leaving a couple of guys out, but I have asked quietly about what's going on with Kiz or Kevin Kisner, and that it's been very no comment at this point. So uh, we'll have more later on. We're just starting the year, and I would be real curious how he is in the booth myself. He he definitely has a dry, quick sense of humor, and goodness gracious, he's got mm-hmm. passion for the game. So, Well, I will say that I watched a little bit of him last week. They had him up in the booth in Hawaii, and he seems very much uh, in control of himself, very calm, very confident in what he's saying when he's talking about what's happening on the course. And I think it's good for the broadcast because this is a guy who is playing right now and has been for a number of years. So he's very familiar with everybody on the course. He's very familiar with the politics off the course. I mean, I think that um, you know they got Brad Faxon doing a lot of it as well, but Brad's been kind of removed from competition at on the PGA level. I guess he's been playing some on the championship tour, but he's been sort of removed from it from the standpoint of playing. This is a guy who's fresh off the course, who comes in and can tell you exactly what's maybe happening in the locker room, what he would share, or what's happening on the range and around the course. So I, I would think he'd be very valuable in that role. Well, and I think I agree. He, The fresh uncut is what has to happen in the booth, or the ratings are going to continue to decline. It's just very uh, mundane, and I think the producers and all the the yicky yak that you got to go through and all hmm. the blankets they throw over you, all the limitations, you can't do this, you can't do that, you better do this, bring up that. If you can't let the best players in the world free with, with free reign, uh, just don't cuss, man, and <laughs> let, them, let them say what they need to say to get some interest going because it absolutely is killing me to watch the broadcast, most of them. Hey, not, not to knock the – uh, for, you mentioned Faxon. I'll I'll listen if it's uh, some reputable uh, commentators, analysts. I'll just uh, I just can't do it. Otherwise, I think uh-huh. that's left plenty of room in in the other space, the YouTube space, and the other channels to grow. I'm really hopeful that that it does. They're just they're, some of the comments, and I can tell this is I, I'm uncut here. You, you're not grooming me on what to say. Never have, and I appreciate it. But the uh, the dadgum uh, producers throwing blankets over these the great players, and then the great the great players who sell out. 
to try to appease the producer, that makes me sick mm-hmm. to my stomach. And I'm not going to mention names. They know who they are. When you sell out for a story, go against the grain of what's in your heart. It's nauseating. And I think that's uh, it's not going to help the game with what's going on as far as what I can tell. And if you really want to know what I feel about it, uh, we'll keep on going. <laughs> oh, listen, you've 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 laid it out it. there pretty plain and clear. What did you make of um, the split between Tiger Woods and Nike as far as the golf equipment is concerned? Now, what will he? What's in his bag now moving forward when he does play? Well, here we go. I'm going uncut. What happens in most of these companies anyway, if you go and look underneath the tape and the grind and uncover it, they're playing they're playing whatever they want anyhow, and all that is is a mask. Just take one mask off and put another one on. Hmm. And I can't believe that I, I can't believe that he makes as much money off of uh playing as little as he does. Uh anyway, I mean it's one of those things that uh if he goes to Bridgestone, whatever it is, Titleist. Uh, they'll they'll sell more more product, but at the end of the day, these these players are playing. They go into the into the uh, technology center, and they make up stuff that the normal general public not getting their hands on on balance. And that's that's at least uh, what I've seen. Somebody call in, shoot me down, hmm. but. For the most part, I don't think it's that big a deal. I don't. I don't know why so much is made out of it. You know, I'm not sure listen, playing through Nike anyway. Right now, I've heard people say, "I, you know, I'm I'm using the same clubs I've had for 30 years, uh, ping zings that I bought from a friend of mine about 30, 35 years ago. Love them. I don't think I could um, break them if I, you know, swung up against a brick wall as hard as I could. I don't think I could break them." Um, cause I mean, I've hit about every route that you can with them and they're, they're still in good shape, but you Nike, I've, I've heard the, the, the quality of the gear is not, is not up to par. It's not up to speed with, you know, your traditional golf club makers. And that's also why I think Nike got out of the golf club making business. Did they not because think, of issues with the out, equipment? Yeah, they've, they've been out a long time. I think what we're pretty much talking about with him is just what he wears on his shirt and his hat which doesn't mm-hmm. make any – which, you know, he, uh, I have to say that based on what I've seen, he looks like he is playing some unbelievable golf. It would not surprise me if he got a – if he had a streak of good health and he were to tee it up in one of these events and win. It wouldn't surprise me at all. Then Nike would be really sorry they let him go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, but the uh, – yeah, I don't. I don't know. I, I've actually seen some irons that were, I'll say, carved on. And I'm not going to mention the bag, but it wasn't a Nike bag. So I've seen it go the other way, where somebody liked the old Nike gear, and uh, they were on the tour and still using a little bit of it. So you know, it. Uh, hey, like you said, you you got clubs in your bag you've had for a long time. It still goes on out there. They'll go back to wedges and putters and put a little tape on it or put a different whatever to and and use whatever they want to use. But for the most part, they go back in the technology center and they have their gear custom built to meet their specs. 
And when they come out, yeah, they got they might have the stamp on it, but it's not typically what you're getting over the counter. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's a yeah. That now now I have to admit there are plenty there are a number of players who will buy it and use it right off the rack. But they're for the most part. Well, you're talking about your elite players. It is to some degree uh, modified off off stock that you find in the pro shop. So, but I, hey, I, this game is so unique. So many different ways to play it. That's what I, I really am pulling for you on. And it'd be cool to see Akshay uh, get in there. He's got a great both of, both of them have great personalities. It will be it'll be fun to see, and I. I just like to see different ways to get it done and have fun. Mm-hmm. Birdies, bogeys, and biceps here tonight on Sports Talk. We've got the uh, birdies and then the rest of us here this evening. Uh, George Bryan with us tonight. George, I guess Tiger's foil when he was in his heyday it was Phil Mickelson, and he's back in the news this week. He was on with Pat McAfee back on Wednesday and said he doesn't see himself becoming the United States Ryder Cup uh captain in 2025 because according to him he's too divisive now as a sort of big cheerleader for the Saudi live golf he would be the natural guy though with it going back to Beth Page in 2025 since he was a runner-up there twice in the U.S. Open I mean is the tour that split and fragmented that they couldn't overlook that and bring a guy who might help us actually win the Ryder Cup and, and put Phil Mickelson in as captain oh wow what a topic Hey, I can tell you, there. Uh, I've sat in front of Mil- Phil Mickelson and had a meal with him and watched him play a number of times. A few exchanges with him. His heart is what it is for golf, the game of golf. Forget about mm-hmm. PGA Tour, Live Tour, whether they're amateurs or professional. Golf club, golf ball, and a golf club. This guy just loves the game. And I'm actually pulling hard for the game. That's a... That's that's one heck of a uh, conversation. Hot as a match. I have picked up a little uh, residue here lately about, you mentioned Tiger. Uh, My hope is that guys like that just keep playing. Do you guys recall uh, Nicholas and Palmer? They just kept playing through through their 60s, through their 50s, through their 60s, even early 70s. I, my hope is these guys do the same thing, and and when 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 the the icons of the game play it, I hope we focus on it and then get their hearts because their hearts they're still passionate for it, and it is contagious. It can be contagious through the TV set. So when it comes down to the players and the divisiveness, uh, there there's one thing: these players all have a great heart for the game at that level, and. At the end of the day, I think I would hope they play for the country and the spirit of, of the game. Mm-hmm. And that'll be fun to, to think about, to talk about, to prognosticate. And, mm-hmm. yeah, I tell you, that, that's an inter- you bring up an interesting one there. Do you, think he, uh, do you think he would be a good captain if, if they could overlook him being uh, part of the Live Golf Tour? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. There's no – he studies the game, always has. Uh, one of the things I'm not sure about is, you know, where the how the other players would respond, how the PGA Tour in the country would respond. I, I right. personally, uh, with what little uh, – please don't get me wrong, I don't know 
Phil Mickelson in the last couple of years, but the guy I've had a meal or two with, uh, I think he'd make a great captain, fantastic captain. And I'd give it would give it give our team a great chance, in my opinion. Before we wrap, Tsunami Bar Sports, great sponsor of our segment with you every Friday night. Great company, great product. I think more and more people need to investigate Tsunami Bar Sports. The websites. I can go to our website, click on the uh, the graphic. It'll take you to their website. Look at the products. And with the, you know, for those who are maybe going to be restarting their golf season here once the weather gets a little bit warmer, George, I mean, a great way to get back in the swing is to swing some of this stuff, the tsunami bar and the, the uh, associated products. Man, if you're trying to get the rust off and get your get your body back in a in shape to swing a golf club, the tsunami bar can help you get there, help you get there in a hurry without pain and without stress. Well, you've already mentioned Mickelson. Well, there's uh, one of his medical coaching teams, Dr. Peter McKay. We're watching some correspondence going back and forth. Uh, so the Tsunami Bar is what we just call live weight. It's bendable bar technology developed for football players, but the biggest beneficiaries, in my opinion, will be the golfers, the baseball players, the uh any, any any kind of a striking sport, but the reason it's so incredible for golf is it's safe. It it actually fires up that central nervous system. It's fun to use. You can utilize the creative and imaginative mind. And that Tsunami Bar Sports and it's Tsunami Like the Wave, TSU, you go to that website, check it out. Go to our website, Birdies and Bogeys, Sports Talk. There are a few videos there. I do owe you guys some some videos too. But the we got a number of tour players using it. A number of a lot of colleges around. And in short, it is safe. It doesn't hurt, and it's fun. Uh, it it operates on this idea of lag, and it really causes that heart to squeeze. So. Dr. Vince Vismar, he's a local cardiologist. He says, hey, George, don't get too technical with anybody out there. Just tell them it, it causes blood to flow to the extremities and from, from head to toe and into the reach of the hand. It can be magical. And so our team met this week strategically. David Abernathy is the inventor. We actually had Wesley. Uh, my son is part of the Part of the meeting, I was talking to George about it yesterday. G4 is my son. He is. He was asking me more about our industrial strength, our heavier bars, hmm. bars. Some of our football players. He loves it. Our, and and it's made a tremendous difference in Wesley's rehab and his game. But G4 attributes quite a bit of his uh, success in 2023 to improving his training tactics and utilizing the bar so hey, tsunami, we're going to have total strength and speed william strength we'll have our garage sports gym open within weeks now and the general public will be able to stop by it'll be like a pro shop for fitness and i hear my hear my music amen a lot of fun i'm gonna go ahead and sign off and uh appreciate the opportunity see them high but shoot them low next week 
Thank you, George. You have Thanks, a great George. weekend. Stay warm. Chris, thank you. Stay warm. Yes, Pat, sir. thank you. Good Stay too. warm. And thank you, everybody. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday night right back here on Sports Talk. We'll be right back. 